This is Growth Masters. The show for CEOs, CMOs, and anyone wanting to keep up with what's new in the world of business, marketing, and tech. You're in conversation with Robert Tadros. Welcome to another value-packed episode. I'm your host, Robert Tadros. My guest today is the Managing Director of Black City Media, one of Australia's most engaging and fastest growing new media companies. In 2012, he founded Boss Hunting, one of Australia's most engaged men's lifestyle publisher, presenting the coolest in gear, cars, entertainment, travel, sports, watches, and so much more. I know I've been following these guys on Instagram for a very long time, and their content is amazing. Boss Hunting, man, these guys have got over 250,000 Facebook fans, 170,000 Instagram followers, and the website receives over a million page views each and every month. They've worked on some of the biggest campaigns with a range of clients, including American Express, Jeep, Samsung, Hugo Boss, and the list goes on. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jake Slade. Talk to me about Boss Hunting. I mean, that's a pretty well-known uh, Yeah, I mean, side, that's, that's what everyone knows us for. I, I was always kind of the kid at school who just like sold shit or did stuff like that. Just I was hacking Tamagotchi and selling hack Tamagotchis to mates and all that kind of stuff. You're a born you know, entrepreneur, mate. Selling, that's, what, selling. that's what you call it, right? Well, I'm not sure born entrepreneur. I think my, par- my parents were both entrepreneurs, so I kind of got it off them, I suppose. They still are yeah. entrepreneurs. Dad, dad cannot stop working even at 75. He just loves it every day. Anyway, boss hunting, I used to, I just spent too much time on my computer, basically. I always have. I just love the internet, love browsing and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Used to send my mates an email like every fortnight just with cool shit that I found. This was kind of 2011, 2010. And then got to a point where I was like, well, if I don't want to read it, then I'm probably just being annoying. So I'll just put it on a Facebook page and just started putting cool photos on a Facebook page, kind of back when Facebook was in its infancy and like it was a bit of a land grab. I think it was a lot of luck and timing involved in the fact that I just started a Facebook page and started posting to it regularly. Went from kind of 100 likes to 1,000 likes in a month and then 1,000 likes to 10,000 likes a month later and then 100,000 likes a month after that. So it was kind of like crazy time in Facebook's life cycle where it was a land grab page that were new. No one really knew what they were doing. Mm. Um, and then, I mean, a number of media businesses have come off the back of that. Like Lad Bible was also involved in that massive Facebook page land grab. At the time, I didn't really know what to do with it. I was just finishing uni. So for three years, I just kind of let it sit there and just kept, kept posting to it regularly uh, without really having any intentions. I had a couple of like commercial partnerships, but it was pretty pretty haphazard. I also moved to London about a year after I started it and was just doing kind of the Aussie thing in London. And then it got to a point in 2015 where I was like, well, I've got this big audience of kind of 250,000 fans on Facebook and a couple of uh, 150,000 on Instagram. Probably should do something with it. Uh, so I started a website and learned how to do WordPress and hack that all together. Did a call out for contributors to the site, just around the blokes who kind of enjoyed things that I enjoyed, um, whether it was music, entertainment, cars, watches, whiskey, whatever. And then from there, it's kind of been a slow burn. It probably took me a year after that to start taking any real revenue from it and then started doing it full-time probably 2017. So two years after I gave it a proper crack, uh, moved back to Australia towards the end of 2017. And 2017, yeah, 2017. And then back to Melbourne for like six months and moved to Sydney. And it's kind of been going from strength to strength ever since. Our audience numbers are up. We had our biggest ever month last uh, month in November. We did one and a half million users to the site. 
which is pretty cool. Oh, well. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, all our ins numbers up. We've kind of having our biggest ever quarter revenue-wise this this quarter, which is great. So apart from obviously March, April, May this year, it's been kind of a constant ascent. COVID was a bit of a bit of a painful shock, but um, it was kind of the same with everyone, really. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think everyone was in the same boat, and we've kind of come out of it stronger and bigger and better than ever. So it's been a bit of a journey, but that's kind of the boss hunting story. I'm not sure if your listeners know what it is, but check it out. It's a website. It's just it's kind of like a new age version of GQ. Even though we compete against GQ, I think we we feel like we do things better than them for the most well, part. Well, you're sitting on this website that really just, I guess, gravitates and a lot of men, or most men anyway, would resonate with it. It's all the shit that we like. Yeah, guys exactly. like cars, watches, women, houses, jets, cars, cool, whatever cool else shit, in between, basically. right? Just cool 100%. shit, right? Yeah. So it's 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 a no-brainer. Um, you found yourself an audience, which is men, all men. And I know I've been following the page for, for years and pretty much if I jump on Instagram, most of my most of my mates follow it as well because it's <laughs> you know it's some really cool you, you literally do post some really cool shit on there. So that's that's amazing, man. So like the last few years you've just built the business of something that really just started in what in your bedroom? Yeah, literally in my bedroom. It was just ha- me sitting there on my laptop just posting. Hacking away. yourself away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was awesome. just a matter of like consistency and just every day just doing kind of the same thing. And that's like the one thing I've learned from doing it is just just every day you've got to keep plugging your way. So that's, that's interesting, right? Let, let's go there for a second, right? So consistency, and I'm, I'm a big fan of um, of that word, right? I think that you can apply it to anything you do in life, whether it's business, personal, personal right. development, whatever it may be, right? It's all about consistency. What drove you? You know, like what, what was the drive behind building this? It was probably just seeing the numbers tick up and like seeing that we're actually building an audience and people saying, all right, I resonate with this. And like, it was this, this adrenaline hit every time you did a post that just, just we'd get like a thousand likes on a post in five minutes and we're like, fuck, we've done a banger, like awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, just, you just wanted to kind of get that hit every day, day in, day out. Whereas I think yeah, I, probably, I probably find it harder now when it's less, when organic reach on social platforms is much less, I wouldn't get that instant gratification probably. Yeah. So I think it would be much harder now. I, at the time, it was just a bit of luck and timing, but I think that's probably what drove me in the first instance. And then in the second instance, just trying to see the numbers tick over and just trying to get better and better every weekday, month. It's interesting, right? Like I, 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 I refer to these businesses as Insta, Insta businesses, right? Um, and I think, you know, I'm sure all our listeners and yourself would under, would, would resonate with this, that, you know, there was a there was a point in time when Instagram, you know, you put up a post and, you know, as long as you had the right hashtags and, and you, you did everything, right you would just skyrocket very quickly right and off the back of that there was a lot of businesses that did pretty well okay you know skinny me tea there's you know all mm-hmm. these insta businesses that started off off instagram okay and you, you touched on an interesting point there that that organic reach is almost impossible to get again you know it's now it's pay you want to you want to play, play. you got yeah, exactly. to pay for it right so how have you found i guess the transition Right, because it, it is it's a big one, and I know a lot of these businesses, these Insta businesses that I refer to, a lot of them actually just went under because yeah. they couldn't a afford to pay for for the advertising, and b um, if they did afford it, it was just chopping away, it was eating away at their profit margins. So how have you guys been able to navigate that? It's an interesting one. People kind of know us from Facebook and Instagram, probably because that's where it first originated. They were like, oh, the Facebook page or the Instagram page rather than the website, but the website's where we kind of make most of our money. I saw and I kind of realized that being beholden to another business like Facebook or Instagram mm. was quite damaging or had had possible impacts on the business going forward. So probably two years ago, but particularly 
in the last 12 to 18 months, we like made a really conscious decision to move and focus our efforts on SEO and making sure the website was generating like serious organic traffic from Google rather than Facebook, which it was once, once very reliant on. I think probably two or three years ago, we were doing 80% of our traffic from Facebook. Um, wow. And that was all just organic traffic. Google wasn't really a factor, but we've kind of really focused on search in the last 12 to 18 months. Every month is bigger than the last. So that, I mean, having said that, we're still kind of beholden to, to Google as well. So should they do an algo change? It's like, we could be back to square one. Mm. So really trying to just diversify our traffic channels. Fortunately, we're not really selling anything. We're selling our audience, I suppose, to advertisers. So we didn't kind of, the impact on organic reach has been less than it probably would have been for a lot of businesses. But we've kind of, all of our campaigns still include, all our brand campaigns still include paid so, paid social on top of whatever the campaign is. So say we kind of guarantee X amount of reach. And if we don't hit that from an organic perspective, we will say, all right, we've got to chuck some money behind it and get boosting. But also like that side of things, we didn't really know what we were doing when it came to search, I mean, to, to paid, paid Facebook ads in the first instance. We've got much better at that. In recent times, so a cost per click or cost per reach or CPMs have decreased significantly as we've learned the platforms and can kind of really target the messages to our audience or to the, the demographics that we want to reach, if that makes sense. Yeah, look, I mean, you, I mean, mate, you're sitting on a website there that gets over half a million searches per month organically through yeah. just search, right? Like organic search. So whatever the hell you're doing is working, right? It's not, it's nothing to shy from. Yeah, um, no, I agree. It's, but that, I mean, that was two years ago, it was probably 50,000 organic searches a month. So we've every month we're almost, you know, increasing by 50%, which is good, yeah, but it's just yeah, a matter yeah, of keeping that up. And I think yeah, for some, like some huge squeeries, like. Have you been you're ranked, looking, at, you're looking at us on SEMrush or, or yeah, yeah, or yeah, something I'm looking at SEMrush and it's like, bloody hell, like in position three for the word barber, it gets like, 90,000 searches a month. Yeah. That makes up like nearly 5% of your overall traffic. Funnily enough, yeah. I've, like we, we do a lot of competitive keyword analysis on SEMrush and RFs and all that kind of stuff. But like what, when we look at ourselves, we're like, we don't get any traffic from a lot of these keywords, even though it says we're ranking really well. It certainly doesn't make up, you know, three, three to 5% of our traffic for the word barber. So mm. I think you've got to take everything, those those tools. To the tool, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're only as good as the database that they have, right? And and the data sets that they that they've got. But it's it's somewhat in. It gives you a bit of an idea, right? Like if I was looking at this from a marketing perspective, and you approached us to say, "Hey, guys, at Impressive, can you help out from a, you know, an organic search perspective? Like, what are we missing out on? What can we do better? You know, where's the opportunity? I would look at this as a as a starting point. You know, and it's somewhere where I would almost say to all our listeners as well, if you're trying to do some sort of competitive analysis or if you're trying to understand, you know, aside from a search perspective, from a usability, accessibility, whatever it may be, that I mean, you got to start somewhere if you haven't got analytics, right? So SEMrush is okay. You know, like it's a pretty good tool for what it spits out. Similar webs and other, you know, is, is okay mm. one. But again, with a lot of these third-party tools and as I sort of mentioned before, they're only as good as the data, the data that they scrape and the, the how big the database is. Exactly. Um, so obviously analytics is much better, right? But we're on our analytics and, and search console and all the data tools like every day, just making sure that we do what we're doing is achieving results. Yeah. We were, we were in a meeting with someone the other day, someone actually trying to sell us search services. And they were like, how often do you run reports? And we're like, we don't run reports ever. We just look at our data every day. And we're like, is it heading in the right direction? We're not doing like monthly reports. We're just making sure that every day that the numbers are kind of increasing. If they're not, like why is why are we getting no traffic today so that's, that's actually an interesting point right like even with our clients i say to them 
gone, long gone are the days of me just sending you a monthly report. Like I'm going to build you a dashboard. It's live. You want to log in at three o'clock in the morning and, want, and, and know exactly where you're at? Sure. Just bookmark the link, right? You want me to send you a PDF every month? Sure. But I think we're in a world at the moment where decisions need to be made very quickly. And yeah. if I was on the, you know, the other side of the table, well, I'm not going to wait for a month to receive a report. I need to make a decision now. So the more I think you can, as a, from an entrepreneur or a business owner's perspective, the more data you have access to live, live data, I think the quicker you can adapt, you know, iterate and move, right? And move quickly. So that's actually quite surprising that an agency is still, you know, even sending out reports or still talking about monthly reports and that sort of stuff. It should be live. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> There's so many tools out there, right? So what's, where are you taking boss hunting? Is it like, what's the, what's the grand plan here? I just had lunch with a mate who um, runs an agency, a social media agency. We were discuss, just discussing business and he was like, what's the plan for next year? And I was like, the plan's always the same. We just keep improving and getting better and getting bigger every month. We don't really have massive long-term business plans because things change so quickly in our space. Yeah. There's no point in having a three-year plan when I don't know what we totally would, might be doing in three-year plans. Like we just run it quarter by quarter. Even I mean, that's, that's probably the longest we plan in advance. But yeah, the plan is just to, do what we do better, bigger, and fail. Like our kind of number one mantra in the office is just fail fast, like test stuff out. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, no big deal. People forget about it very quickly. So, like for example, we started a video series called BH Daily, which was like on Instagram, doing a daily video. We don't do it daily anymore. But my business partner James is like, why don't we just do a daily video? It can be us talking to camera, like on whatever we've got in the office. So if we're out doing an event, so it's like a bottle of whiskey an amazing new car, a new watch we've got in the office, whatever it may be. And I was like, I was a bit apprehensive about it. I was like, it's going to put a lot of pressure on us. We have to, we kind of feel like we have to do these videos every day and they're going to be have to be really polished. But we said, all right, let's just test them out, like off the cuff, iPhone, one take, do it. And it was only three months ago, but like everyone I speak to and see now, they're like, man, I love the VH dailies. I watch them like nonstop. I watch every minute of each one, like they're sick. So that was one where... I was willing to fail fast, but it wasn't a failure. It worked out really well. Um, we've also started businesses, other websites. For example, we started one um, to try and compete with Point Hacks, which is like a frequent fly website. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I'll, I'll, live, I'll live on that. I'll live on yeah, that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big point geek. <laughs> I'm a big point geek. And we did that for like three months. We, we, we took all our content from Boss Hunting that was around that topic and put it on a new site and started doing our own content on that yeah. site. And I just realized like, Pretty much straight away, we just weren't going to compete with the the big guys in the in the space. So we just kind of wound we wound it up very quickly after that. And we're like, that was a quick quick learning, and it was also taking our eyes off kind of the core part of the business, which is pretty common, right? Like I, I speaking to a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners, we get too excited, right? Like three four yeah. years in, we've got this cash cow, it's making a bit of money, and we start because you know the way we're wired, we're mm. constantly thinking of new and innovative ways on how to like solve problems, and one of the biggest challenges that I've I've personally faced and I know I can, you know, a lot of businesses that are listening to this would relate to is taking your eye off the prize. Like you forget about the initial beast that you've built and what that's creating and you you go, well, now I've got everything I need. I can go and do it again four times over, you know? But the problem is that you start taking away from the, the beast that's actually making you the, the, yeah. the, the, the cash and you start diversifying. And look, in some instances it works, but in others, depending on how invested you are in those, in those businesses, it can kill, literally kill everything, you know, from the cash cow to all the other businesses that you've, that you've started. Right. And I've heard a lot of horror stories from mates of mine and a lot of people just within my network that that's that sort of happened to. So I think the key there is focus, right. And not to spread yourself too thin. 
Yeah, you know? I, we certainly learned that. We, we tried to start a few websites. We were like, well, we're just, Ross Hunting's just ticking along, running away, and we'll just start everything else because we've done it all before, as you were just saying. Mm. And we quickly learned it wasn't that easy and you do take your eyes off the prize, I suppose. Having said right. that, we're, we're trying to start two new, like completely different businesses at the moment. So I'll let you know if it, if it works. <laughs> well, I mean, and I really liked what you said around, around fail, fail quickly, right? Like, I'm a big believer in like, you know, you, you need to fail 80% of the times because they're the probably ones that are going to, they're, they're the lessons that you're going to learn to be able to succeed 20% of the times, right? So it's that, you know, old 80-20 rule. So, you know, I guess it's you just got to try, you got to fail quickly and then take the learnings and then start again, right? And rather than doing it, say, in a year, you might be able to do it in six months. So you, you're naturally just learning and moving moving a lot quicker. So here's an interesting question. How, how have you guys sort of like monetized this website, right? Because it's just a content-driven machine. Yeah. Right. So I've got, I can see some, you know, you've got AdSense on there and is that, is that it? Is that how you make money from it? No, that's so display, like programmatic display revenue, which is just the banner ads you'll see on site. Yeah. Probably account for, used to account for about 5% of the business. We've kind of improved that significantly recently. It probably accounts for like 20% of our monthly revenue, I would okay. say 20 to yeah. 25%. The vast majority is branded content. So yeah. native advertorial. This month, for example, we're working with Samsung, Nespresso, Jeep, Tissot, Brightling, Longines. Nice. Uh, like some good names. So yeah, I think this has been a, a maker's mark, Mazda. It's been a big, December's always a very big month because of Christmas. People want to sell yeah, stuff yeah. at Christmas, which helps. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, branded content. And then we have obviously social media. So like when we post on Instagram, we get paid for that sometimes as well. And then affiliate stuff. So... Every time someone buys a product that they click through from our site, then we get a clip of the ticket. That used to be very big when we did a lot of credit card stuff. Amex was probably our biggest client for a brief period. Yeah. So for example, we wrote an article about the Amex Platinum card. Every time someone would click through, we'd get a payment. I mean, not click through, every time someone signed up for a, a card, we would get paid off the back yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they're kind of the main revenue drivers. We are trying to build some products as well, which were the other businesses I was just alluding to that we can sell through and kind of be a direct-to-consumer um, brand as well. So an e-com, like an e-com functionality yeah. within inside itself? No, no, it's not, it won't necessarily be related to or, Boss Hunting. It won't be called Boss Hunting Wine or Boss Hunting Shampoo. It'll be their own independent brands, but we just happen to own them and we push those products through our channels as well. Okay. That's like, we, like we would push any other brand fundamentally. Yeah. So you almost, you, you use Boss Hunting as the main source of- As traffic. a vehicle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah as a vehicle to, to all the other sites. Which is, what people, which is what people in, across the US are doing. Like a lot of US publishers now have their own different brands, whether it's a wine brand. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Social media accounts are doing something similar. For example, uh, the Fat Jew Instagram account, they started a brand called White Girl Rosé and sold it in the biggest wine deal of the year, I think, last year um, to one of the big multinational alcohol brands just off the back of their Instagram following. What's it called? Fat Jew? The Fat Jewish is the Instagram account. Jeez, that's a bit controversial. It was, it was like one of the first Instagram <laughs> accounts. Um, oh, yeah, Josh, but, Josh, American writer. Yeah, he's got 10 million followers on Instagram now. So man, basically just does memes and funny and funny stuff on Instagram. They started a wine brand. There's a bunch of other publishers, for example, Bauer Media, who own yeah. most of the magazines in Australia. Not Bauer anymore. It's called R Media, but whatever. Okay, they are okay, starting an yeah. insurance company for female drivers as well that no one really knows is related to, to our media. So that seems yeah. like that's the, the future of publishing. 
which is a notoriously tough game to kind of make serious money out of. 100%. Man, I'm just looking at this fat Jewish guy. I mean, he's, 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 he's a funny bloke. <laughs> he's a funny yeah. bloke. He um, and a, Fortunately, and a in the US, you've got, you've got big scale in the States, so it kind of makes it easier. Having said that, there's also a lot of competition in the States, so it's, um, it's catch-22, I suppose. If you win, you win big. Yeah, well, that, that's the other interesting point, right? Like, I mean, are you guys very much focused in, you know, in our own backyard or are you, is there a plan here to go global? And I know you've got a global reach, but like how much emphasis are you putting on global versus local? There was something we kind of grappled with a lot early on. We were like, do we make this site a global site or we just focus on Australia and, know, and what we know? The Australian side of things end up winning out. We focus very much on yeah. Australia and Melbourne, Sydney predominantly, because that's where our, the, the bulk of our audience is. Yeah. So we try and do quite a bit of hyper local content. So like the best barbers in Sydney um, yeah. or like yeah. restaurant openings here and there and everywhere. And then we also kind of, we try and be the go-to site for your every, not every day Aussie bloke, but just for Aussie guys in general. And so we, we like probably 60% of our web traffic is Australian. Um, so that's your core audience that you're after, right? Like that's, that's yeah. That and that's, that's what bloke. sells, that's what sells yeah. ad campaigns as well. Brands don't want to spend money on, American guys, if they're based in Australia, so they want to be spending money on Australian guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's interesting, right? So like hyper-focused, local targeting, you know, your typical Aussie bloke. And I think that's, a, I mean, that's that in itself is a huge audience anyway. So no wonder it's attractive to your Brightlings of the world or, you know, AMX or any of those guys, because that's probably their target market as well that they're going after. 100%. And there's no, there's not too many of us, like competitors wise. There's been a few come and go, but there's probably only two, there's probably three of us competing in the same space right now. Yeah. yeah for the yeah, same yeah, dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. I just realized that you guys don't own the .com either. You don't. Oh, I've, no. tried, I've tried for years. Can I buy it? <laughs> I've approached him, I've approached him a million times. Just re refuses to respond. It kills yeah. me. Yeah, these bloody domain squatters, right? Like I remember we had a client uh, we tried to buy the .com for and we made a number of offers and then <laughs> long story short, they um they wouldn't they wouldn't let it go for less than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars USD, and I was like, come on guys, how do you even justify that? You know, yeah. um, and, and how many other offers are you going to get exactly? Co correct, it means nothing to them. So it's it's, just, it's I don't know, it's a silly strategy. I think you know if you are squatting on a domain, you want to make some money from it, just let it go for a decent price. You know, yeah. someone offers you ten take, grand, take it, like whatever. That, that, don't don't get ridiculous with it. So I'm going to shift gears a bit. You guys publish a shitload of content. How do you manage all that? <laughs> That's huge. Uh, it's, a, man. Like, it's a good question. I, I mean, every thing about everyone in the business pretty much has started as a writer yeah. in some capacity. Everyone knows what needs to be done. It's a kind of a bunch of jack of all trades. We all know what needs to be done. We've all done most of the jobs. We obviously have dedicated guys who write all day, every day. We were very good at it. I have, I wrote at the start, but I'm, I'm got, I got sick of it quite quickly. Yeah. Probably still write the first like 500 or a thousand articles, which was a slog and I don't really do any writing anymore, which I That's quite a lot enjoy. Of yeah. I quite enjoy not doing anything anymore. In terms of management, like we, it's like a news cycle. We have we got three aspects to our content. We have one, which is writing for search. So we have, as we were saying before, we do keyword analysis on SEMrush and RFs and all those different tools. And we see what our competitors are doing well, what keyword gaps there are. For example, like sports watches we saw the other day was a really big gap. It had 20,000 searches a month and no one, had, no one was ranking for it. No one of note was ranking for it. So we wrote an article on the best 15 sports watches in the market right now. I think we've immediately gone to, I can't remember, top top three or something at least. Yeah. And then, so that's writing for search. And then next one is writing just on like a news cycle, like for social and just daily news, whether something's just come out, something's about to drop. Like for example, the new Apple headphones that dropped this morning. 
that's just like that's inbound news. We get a press release from Apple, boom, pump it out. It's done. Mm-hmm. And then the third angle, we've got one guy who kind of particularly focuses on that. He's a very good writer. Um, is just like interesting pieces and profiles and interviews with people or like deep dives into topics that Aussie guys would be interested in, whether it's yeah, you know like really like interest pieces, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and he interviews famous actors, athletes whatever whatever it may be but he's like he does kind of will write an article every once a day or once every two days he spends more time writing the articles whereas the other guys are just pumping stuff out so that that brings me to an interesting point right like is the team that surrounds you and uh you know i'd argue that you're only as good as the team that that does surround you right so how have you found typically how have you found talent like how do you source good good people we're a pretty small team we've got six of us full-time we have freelancers and contractors and what have you every good Every person that works with us now is through a referral. It's no, like, the only people we've ever hired from job ads have never really worked out. It's quite a unique culture. It's got a bro culture, I suppose. And so it's just friends of friends, I suppose, that you you trust and you, if you like someone and they recommend someone to you, you think they think it'd be a good fit culturally and also good at what they do, then it's a, um, it's kind of a no brainer for me. Like, and we'll, we'll generally bring people on as a contractor in the first instance, just to see what they're like, if they, A, good cultural fit and B, if they're good at what they do and kind of can understand and be quite autonomous. We, we give a lot of autonomy. It's like, just go and do your job. Um, yeah, and yeah, I'm going to yeah, be yeah. standing over your shoulder. So yeah, predominantly it's just referrals. And I found that's, I think it's probably the majority, probably the same for a lot of businesses. They're often the best hires and the cheapest hires as well because you don't have to pay recruiters fees or what have you. Um, but yeah, I mean, my parents are actually recruiters, funnily enough, I said so. <laughs> Bad luck for them. No, look, I, I, I agree. I think referrals is the best way to um, is to find good talent. And, and I agree with you as well. Like if you can, you know, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life, right? The only problem is, is finding, it's like finding a needle in a haystack. You know, they're just very hard to find those those, those individuals that are just self-driven <clears throat> that you can give full autonomy to and they just go away and, and, and do their thing, you know? I think, so yeah, that, keep, we've yeah. kind of intentionally kept the team small. I don't see the need for having a million people just for the sake of having a million people. Like I think if the team's small, everyone's incentivized to work pretty hard and, and just be exactly. at it the whole time. It having said that, tight, we're, tight yeah, we, we're, we're, we're like family. Like everyone loves each other. We go out for beers after work multiple times a week. We all enjoy hanging out with each other. You know, even when we don't, we're not paid to be hanging yep. out with each other, but like we're all good friends. So yeah, it's a unique culture and takes a while to kind of get in the groove. We just had a new guy start who, yeah, first week or two was pretty, in his shell, but he's certainly coming out pretty quickly and like just becoming one of the team. What are, what what have been the biggest struggles to date? Or even like the biggest struggle rather than struggles. Yeah, I mean, finding good people is one of the biggest struggles. We've had a few people come and go who have, have not been good fits or they on paper have been good and they come in and you kind of immediately know that they're not. Yeah. Probably like getting into the club, the publishers club, which is quite a tight knit group of people in Australia. There's your nine Fairfax and News Corp who kind of dominate the space and they have all the eyeballs and all the, and all the media buyers who are the ones with the big deep pockets um, controlling the budgets. They've been in the industry for 20 years. We're just some ragged upstart who don't really know what we're doing that much. We've got a good audience. We know we have a good audience, but like, how do we join that club? So yeah. I still I still would say we certainly haven't joined that club, but we're getting there. It's just a day-by-day slog. You just got to kind of keep proving that you're going to be around. It's like time in market, which is probably the same for a lot of businesses. Um, just proving you're, you're not just a flash in the pan, you're going to be around for a while. And just building a relationships. It's a bit of a monopoly, isn't it? It is. And also building relationships. You, there's more time you go out to events and see clients and just work with people and they move around to new businesses. And you start to build a repertoire, um, not a repertoire, a rapport with, with people in the industry 
And also as I, I would say our audience on boss hunting was quite young initially, obviously we're growing up with the audience a little bit. And a lot of our clients are just fans of ours as well, which is cool. So they're like, oh, I'm, I read boss hunting every day or I love Instagram. We've got mm-hmm. this advertising budget. We'd love to spend it with you. But yeah, that's probably, that's probably been the biggest challenge is getting in front of the right people to kind of help accelerate yeah. the business. And then just making sure our audience is always growing is a big challenge. It's not easy. Sometimes Facebook turn the tap off and you're like, well, I'm stuffed. Likewise with Google, they have algorithm changes all the time. And you're like, well, I was ranking for this keyword yesterday and now I'm ranking 20th. So who knows? But it's just constantly evolving, constantly changing. I'm not, yeah. Don't know the answer to everything, but it's just rocking up every day and going back to the consistency side of things, I think is the only answer that I've found. And there's a key point that you made there, right? And it's around throwing all your eggs in one basket. And it's like one piece of advice that I always give business owners is don't just throw all your media, all your money at Facebook. Because guess what? Facebook goes down. Like things happen, right? And don't or don't go through all your money at, at, at SEO or don't just go through your money at Google, yeah. Google Ads, right? Like diversify your risk and diversify your different lead streams or traffic traffic channels, right? Um, so that's a that's a very interesting point that I totally agree with you on. Because I I mean over the years I've just seen too many businesses go, we'll just try Facebook, right? And they go and throw everything they've got on Facebook. And then, you know, Facebook might work, it might not work, Facebook might go down, it might, you know, might be profitable, it might not be profitable. Um, Facebook changes its algorithm, whatever it may be, right? Yeah. And then you're so invested into that, into that channel that it's A, it's hard to to move away from, and B, it's hard to to just, you know, find an alternative very quickly. Um, I remember when brands think- used to bloody they spent millions and millions of dollars building these huge Facebook audiences. Yeah. And now and then there's no organic reach now. So they've got this big number exactly. on a page and they're like, cool. Well, it means nothing. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. What are some of your tips, I guess, or some advice that you can share with some of our listeners, right? As far as, you know, the journey that you've been on and uh, some of the struggles and, and the wins as well, right? Like someone that, let's just say, was in your seat, I don't know, four years ago, what would you tell them now? Oh, I would say... Keep plugging away. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure it's a long list, but maybe the top top one or two. <laughs> I, would, I would just say it come comes back to the consistency side of things. You're going to make mistakes along the way, but if you just keep giving it a crack, some days you want to quit. I've had plenty of days where I called my mum being like, mum, I think I'm done. I'm, like, I'm going to look for a job. I'm just going to look yeah. for a real job. It's just tart. It's not worth it. I'm not making any headway. Um, you know, Didn't win that campaign. I didn't win that pitch or traffic's down or it's just too hard. I'm just pitting by myself. Like That's been... I think working for yourself is really, really difficult initially at the start. Um, but yeah, it's just plugging away and just keep going, testing new things out, kind of investing money in the right areas. But who knows if that's the right area until you've tested it. So as you were saying before, you don't, don't chuck your all, your chick, all your eggs in one basket. And then I think also just making sure you have a lot of fun with work. We, I, I love coming to work every day now. It's great. I get to hang out with my mates all day and do cool stuff. I think a lot of people take work very seriously. I don't really. I think getting perspective on um, the world is pretty important. So mm, understanding mm. that there's a lot of people in worse positions than you are, that helps a lot to kind of not get too overwhelmed by everything and not to stress too much. I know I'll always, I'll always have a roof over my head. Not everyone's in that situation, but um, for most of us probably listening to this podcast, you're going to be fine. You'll certainly, um, certainly won't go wanting for anything. You might not make as much money one year as you do the next, but... It's just to kind of matter. I think perspective is one of my key assets and just realizing that nothing's that important, but still doesn't mean don't do your best, but just always mm-hmm. realize that what's the worst that can happen. Yeah, man, I think it's, that's great advice. And, you know, sometimes, well, most of the time anyway, the, the pain is just temporary, right? It's not, it's not there forever. 
So, yeah, you might be going through the grind and, you know, you, you might be, you know, bleeding a little bit, if you like, just to get a business off the ground. But it's just, it's not, it's not going to be forever. And I think hmm. the minute that you realize that, I think it's a bit of an awakening and, and you naturally just, you find the way to ease through it rather than make your life difficult, you know, yeah. and, and pondering over it and, and you know, and playing the, the, the blame game. Yeah, I certainly don't think it's for everyone, though, yeah. necessarily doing your own business. It's it's quite lonely and challenging, and you need a lot of tenacity, resourcefulness. My girlfriend was kind of decided that she didn't want to work at her previous employer over COVID. She was kind of a bit bored, and um, she was looking to start her own business. And I, I just tell after like two months of her trying to go through the throes of starting a business, I was like, you probably don't have the tenacity right now to be doing this. So go get another job. And she's got another job now. She loves it. So you know i could not agree more my friend like the amount of people that i know that have gone during COVID and said oh i'm going to start my own thing or, i'm going to quit my job and i'm going to start my own thing and now like some of the even hit me up again for a job yeah. <laughs> you know because they're just like i just didn't like some of the comments are like we just i just did not realize it was this hard it's like well what did you think you know like yeah. it's not rosy you know you just wake up in the morning and this thing you know there's money in the bank account <laughs> right? um and 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 I and I think for some they just it's it's a it's a concept that they can't grasp. But the minute they they're actually in it, they go, "Holy shit! It's actually pretty bloody hard, mm. right? Like it's not as as rosy as as I thought it, it, it was." So I totally agree with you. I think it's it's, it's great advice. Um, I also reckon. I also like. Yeah. They are, I mean, I was certainly guilty of it, just focusing on the wrong things, particularly at the start. Like you're focusing on all the administration side of things, like. The business name and the structure i mean the structure is important for mm. sure but like just all the crap that doesn't really mean anything like people people hire experts to do that you can focus on what's actually important and building the business is the most important part i think um for any new entrepreneur yeah no, and i think my, most entrepreneurs will probably blame themselves for this but like we we try and take on too much and try and do everything yeah. at the same time and it's like the minute you realize that you're not good at everything the minute you realize what your strengths and weaknesses are I, I believe is when you actually grow, right? Because it's like, well, I'm going to delegate that because I'm not good at it. I, I'm yeah. shit at branding. So I'm going to give it to this guy because he's great at it. And it's probably going to do it half the time that it's going to take me and probably going to be a hundred times better. So I think, you know, earlier on, and I appreciate obviously that not everybody's has got the funds to, to, to be able to hire the, the right people, but, you know, like time is money, right? It's probably costing you more. It's costing you money right now trying to yeah. figure it out yourself. Yeah. So again, another great piece of advice and I, I totally agree with you. agree with you. I guess like last question for me is like, what's your big, what's the BHAG for boss hunting? You know, like what's the big hairy audacious goal? Where do you want to see it? Oh, it's one of two. I would like to be kind of one, goal one or possible BHAG would be to me and the business to kind of be like the news corp, but a, not a, not a bad news corp, a good news corp of the future. <laughs> so I'd like to be like, Without I'd, like to, I'd like to be Rupert Murdoch, but yeah. with, you know, good intentions, I suppose. Um, or number two, become such an attractive target for another business. Um, we'll get to a point where we kind of probably can't grow the business much more than we have and find a suitable suitor, I suppose, to kind of invest in us or acquire us and help grow the business even further with, you know, with, a, with a better infrastructure from a sales and content perspective and just helping boss hunting, I suppose, be the biggest men's side in Australia, if not the Asia Pacific or the world or whatever. Jack, who knows, man? There might be someone listening right now that's probably going to hit you up after this. You never know. You never know. <laughs> the, guys at, Any, um, um, the guys at Pedestrian have done, did it really well. You know Pedestrian TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway, yeah. they, um, Oscar and Chris, they sold the first half of their business to Channel 9 for 10 million bucks four years ago and then sold the second half for 50 million after Channel 9 had like 
showing them the ropes. They're like, cool. So not a bad, not a bad day in the office. No, exactly. I was actually <laughs> driving Ferraris with Oscar on the his last day in the office. He was just like, life's pretty fucking good. Mate, actually on that, I, I, I promise I won't ask too many, too, too many more questions. <laughs> yeah, but no. do you get, do you, get, you must get to see some awesome cars and watches. And yeah, we get to do some pretty insane stuff. Like yeah. particularly pre-COVID, it's like I've just had some of the most. I mean, between all the boys in the office, we've had some of the most incredible money can't buy experiences you would ever possibly imagine. I can only imagine. <laughs> I remember doing my favorite one that always comes to mind is McLaren invited me to go to Palm Springs in um, California and drive the new 600 LT, and so we they basically just gave us free reign on these what? brand new McLarens to just do doughies in the fucking park. It was. And then say the Ritz Carlton have an incredible time. That was cool. That was two so years ago from memory. Did these? I mean, because you'd be building a, like an amazing network of of of, of people, right? And and businesses. Like, I mean, I'm sure one day if you went knocking on their door and said, "Guys, I want to buy McLaren," like, surely they'll look after you, right? They can't really do mates rates. Funnily enough, a lot of these businesses, really, they have like a marketing or PR budget, and that goes to what you, you get to do. But then they, you yeah, go, I'd like to buy a car. Do you have any media rates? They're like, no. Nah. Absolutely not. So okay. it's funny. All these, all these big incumbents, all these just giant global companies have very set, strict rules and processes in the ways they can go about things. So yeah, funnily yeah, enough, yeah. you can't watch. Watch brands are a bit more flexible. They'll give you discounts. Do you know anyone like Rolex? Rolex is actually probably the most arrogant brand we deal with. Funnily <laughs> enough, so they, yeah, we don't really actually like Rolex in the office. Not fans. Mate, I've been trying to get. I've been like, I'm sure, like a lot of other people, get my um, hands on a Pepsi for. Two years, maybe. Yeah, impossible. Everyone's got a Pepsi. Buy a nice, buy a nice watch. Buy a bloody Patek or an AP or something. Yeah, I've got a collection. You just want, you just a want a Rolex. You just want a Rolex because all your mates have a Rolex. No, look, I've got a couple of Rolexes, but I've I've, I've yeah. actually genuinely always wanted a Pepsi. So yeah, it's just it's just been bloody hard to 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 get a hold of one. But I agree with you. I think yeah. I mean, I love AP. Love like an FP Jean. They're hot. I mean, there's so many cool boutique watchmakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's, a much, it's a much bigger flex if you go to like a party and the one guy in the room knows what you're wearing. He's like, that's a $200,000 watch. You're like, yeah, no biggie. <laughs> I've got a few of those. Um, <laughs> it's funny, my my, um, my father-in-law is a watchmaker. Um, and, mate, you don't even want to get him started on this topic because he will just not shut I up. I can imagine, like, yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, he's, he'll like, he'll pull a Rolex apart and explain to you how this was made and, you know, it's this and that. It's their own movement. It's this. It's, 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 it's yeah, it's actually quite a fascinating craft it is it is yeah. we get exposed to a lot, yeah, a lot of the watchmakers which is really cool and see how it's all made and that is um they're pretty intricate little pieces of kit but there's also a pretty significant markup on a lot of watches 100 percent, 100 percent. hence their marketing <laughs> budgets are always pretty good well but i wear i wear an apple watch from day from day to day at the moment which is funny yeah, same. yeah. <laughs> did you know that rolex is a non-for-profit i do i do don't know that yeah, yeah. I'm not sure where they where they bank all the profit though Certainly doesn't. Oh, look, they're a non-for-profit, right? Yeah, Quite yeah, a quote. exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, but they build a bloody good business. I mean, no denying that. I don't know how this hype. I'm, I'm not even sure they know why it's such a hype brand at the moment. It just kind of happens. They've choked. They choked the the, the supply, supply, right? And there's yeah. so and there's so much demand. Like I was talking to someone the other day, and they're saying like a, a panda is worth like 50k. Yeah, and you can pick it up in the, stores for 26. Great market. Yeah, yeah, or it's worth like retails at like 25, 26 grand. Yeah, yeah. It's like a Pepsi, you know, like if I really wanted one, I can go and pay $30,000, but I'm not going to pay 30 grand for a watch that's worth 13,000 retail. That's the it's thing. Crazy, I, you, right? should, you should, I, I respect that. If you're willing to wait for your watch to get it from an AD and you pay your 13 grand retail, absolutely fine. But people who are hey, paying three times retail, retail, retail it's like the stupidest thing of all times. 
it's just dumb, like absolutely yes. stupid. But it's yeah, I think they're they're driving the grey market because of the they're just choking the supply and there's yeah. so much demand. Everyone wants a bloody Rolex these days. Everyone wants a Pepsi. Everyone wants a Hulk. You know, everyone wants a Panda. And it's like, why do you actually want that watch? <laughs> like, there's so many other watches out there. Unless you genuinely want the watch for whatever reason, right? Mm. Um, yeah, so it's 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 interesting, and they keep it's like every year the supply just keeps shrinking. So I don't know what the, the big play well, I, heard, I heard from a few ADs that this year was meant to be like the great year of Rolex flooding the market with supply. And then it obviously did not happen. So uh, bullshit. It's not going to happen. I, <laughs> I don't believe it. Yeah. I don't believe it. So, yeah, I mean, to, man, all, to, all awesome. our, to all the listeners, I would say, if you're interested in watches, just do some research before just wanting a Rolex for the sake of it. Yeah. And I, I reckon go to this website called bosshunting.com.au because there's plenty <laughs> of uh, <laughs> there's plenty of content on there about watches. <laughs> Man, and how do how do the listeners find you? Like, what's the best way? Is it Insta? Is it uh, like, yeah, you can get wherever you want. I am on email Jack at Luxity L U X I T Y dot com dot au, or on my Instagram, which is at JMB Slade, or hit up our boss hunting Instagram at VH Official. Love your work. Yeah, awesome work, man. I enjoyed the chat, and um, yeah, good. looking forward to potentially catching up face to face when all Love this that. crap's over. Which, Are you, you Melbourne know, based? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm coming down. Yeah, I'm from Melbourne originally, so I'm coming down to um, Melbourne from the 23rd to the 10th. So hopefully catch I up. I was just I was just in Sydney on the weekend. I just come back. Oh, nice. We it's, should have done the uh, podcast here. I know. I know. I should have actually. We've got a little podcast <laughs> here right there. There it is. Oh mate. Bloody hell. If I'd known that, I'd 100 would have done it. Seriously. Next time. But yeah, man, hit me up whenever you're in Melbourne. We'll go for a uh, we'll catch a go for a beer or something or a bite to eat. Definitely. Uh, it'd be it'd be good to face meet you face to face. Definitely. Well, Thanks, man. Rob. Well, Cheers, mate. That's it. It's nice and easy. I'll polish easy. it up and I'll send you through the last version and share it and all that rest, all that all that fun stuff. Love it. Um, yeah, and yeah, look forward to meeting face to face. Beautiful. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Have man. Talk soon. Cheers, Stephen. Bye.